for Mother's Day? Well, nothing yet. You know it's tomorrow, right? Yeah. Oh, we have this thing. I take Hayden to the drugstore. He picks out something he thinks his mom would like. <laughs> so cute. You should see her face when she opens those gifts. So last year, I got batteries and this. <laughs> what is that? No idea. But I love the expressions that they make when they think that I'm using the gifts that they bought me. She loves that thing. And you know the best part? Drugstores open 24 hours a day. Hey, buddy, wake up. We gotta go shopping. You forgot Mother's Day again, didn't you? Mine's a little more complicated. Unfortunately, I married into her family's long tradition of epic Mother's Day gifts. Bill? A new car? And now Mother's Day just makes me sweat. A diamond tennis bracelet? She doesn't even play tennis. France? France? Man, you really overthink this Mother's Day thing. I had a really great idea for Mother's Day this year. Daniel was gonna make this great card, then the glue spilled, and the glitter spilled, and it spilled all over the dog, and that dog will never be the same. And as much as I try to explain to Dave that my father's just making up for years of being absent, but he still completely stresses over Mother's Day. And then, then I just panicked. I ended up buying her an eat weeder, a feed weeder. Weed eater? She likes to garden. I cannot give my wife something that eats weeds. Why can't I stop sweating? Calm down, my man. Hello? Just think of a gift that reflects who she is as a mother. That's a problem. There is not a gift out there that would even come close to show her what an amazing mom she is. What kind of gift says... No, no! Something about nail polish? Got it. Got it? I got it! <laughs> he just shot me. Oh. Mom, have you seen my... Got it. How are you? Could you tell me more about God? <sighs> you got it. <laughs> Thanks for waiting. They let me go today. But it's okay. Right. God's got this. God has blessed me and the kids with this wonderful woman. How do you wrap that up and put a bow on it? She is the gift.
I heard you loud and clear. You love and appreciate me. That's all I need. No bill required. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> you pocket called me. <laughs> Sweaty. Oh, boy, I know. <laughs> good with that whole drugstore thing we got going on, right? Ow. Come on, let's go ahead and stand to our feet this morning as we worship the Lord together. He's worthy, amen.
make some noise for the Lord this morning? Amen. How many people are excited to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. I want to share a quick scripture with you. It's found in Psalms 103, verses 8. It says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. And, uh, you know, something that's really encouraging to me is that this is one thing that every single person in the room has in common. Everybody needs the grace and the mercy of God. Amen. And we can say that Jesus paid for that on the cross, and he, we have every reason to worship him this morning. How many people believe that? Make some noise for him. Amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord this morning.
You know, we sing the words, oh, what a savior. But you know, at this stage of the game, we're not fully aware what that means. But one day the Bible says all of humanity will be standing before God. There will be an ocean of billions of people. And the Bible says in Matthew 25, they'll be divided as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. Those that have believed and followed Christ and those that have rejected him. Heaven and hell will stand before us. And how many know on that day we'll realize our need for a Savior? We'll say, wonderful Savior. Come on, give him a hand today. Wonderful Savior and Lord who saved us from the consequences of our sin. We're going to continue worshiping Jesus on this Mother's Day. We welcome everyone. But we want to make a special time in the service to pray for you today. I mean, all of us have struggles and needs in life. I have people pray for me all the time because the Bible says if two of you would agree as touching anything, it would be done. Jeremiah 33 says, call unto me, I'll answer you. I'll show you great and mighty things. So ours is a confidence that God hears and God is a prayer answering God. We'll pray about anything this morning. But one thing in particular is I was meditating on our prayer time yesterday. I felt the Lord draw this scripture to mind that says, hope deferred makes the heart sick but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life and that focus hope deferred in other words something you want to happen that doesn't happen hadn't happened something you desperately want to change but it hadn't changed yet I mean no it can just dry up your faith it can just like suck the life out of you just make you wonder where is God and and why didn't why didn't God done something why didn't God care and what happens our, our faith and our strength tends to waver and if that resonates with you this morning, I must believe that the Lord wants to strengthen your faith. For him to give me that scripture, if you're here today and there's something that's kind of been a long time in coming and it's, and it's affecting your faith, let us believe God today that God will give you a fill-up in faith. How many could believe that today? He's a miracle-working God. But we're going to keep worshiping. Whatever your needs are in prayer, our prayer team is coming to the altar right now. They're here for you. Believing God for a miracle moment. So if you need prayer, slip on up to the altar here and someone will be here for you. Who is like you, love is of the earth. love and beauty, endless work. There's nothing in this world. You're the kind that would run dry. You're Yeah. 
Welcome to Church on the Rock. We're so happy you're here worshiping with us today. In the chair back in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you are a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop it in the offering, or you can take it across the hall to the Connect Room where you will receive a free gift bag. Don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. So glad you're here, and we hope you know that there's always a place for you at Church on the Rock. Church on the Rock has been a part of the Texarkana community for over 35 years. What started with a handful of people in a small building on Martin Luther King Boulevard grew and moved to our present location in 1985. Over the years, we have gone from one service to two services to three full weekend services. Currently, our facility is at capacity. In order to continue to grow and reach the Texarkana community, our facility must grow. Imagine more classrooms, more seating in the Connect Cafe, larger halls to help with the flow of traffic, updated nurseries. In order to make this a reality, we are asking everyone who calls Church on the Rock their home to commit to pray and to give toward this expansion. Join us as we expand God's kingdom by expanding our facility. Imagine more at Church on the Rock. We want to give you a quick update on Imagine More. This is my daughter, Bethany. She's the kids director upstairs. And I'm thrilled to tell you, we just went over the half million dollar mark of cash that we've raised for Imagine Yay! More. <laughs> but anyway, we need the building right now. But I got so excited the other day, I was, telling, uh, I was telling the staff about some classes I wanted to start this fall. I wanted to start a class on evangelism and discipleship, kind of a, uh, an overview of the Bible, uh, and a class on the gift of uh, prophecy. And then my staff said, 
We don't have any room for that. He was trying to move them upstairs, but we have the kids filling up almost every single room upstairs. And we just don't have room for three extra classes right now. Anyway, we've been at this a long time, but the good news is our architect is going to be done in about eight or nine weeks with the, with the plans, but we need to raise some more cash. Uh, I'm asking God to give us at least a million dollars, and then that way we won't get ourselves in a bind borrowing money. But maybe God has blessed you in a very special way, and maybe part of that blessing is to be invested in His kingdom. And if you do, we hope you join with us and help us reach more people here in our Texarkana, USA. Thanks. Amen. How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good. How many people are excited to be in the house of the Lord? Make a little noise. Hey, we are excited that you're here. How many mothers do we have? Raise your hand if you're a mother. How about a big round of applause for all of our mothers here? We do want to wish, wish you a very special and happy Mother's Day. And everybody in here, if you're not a mother, make sure you get your mother's chocolates and flowers and gift cards and whatever else they want. Uh, but we are excited that you're here. And uh, if you are a mother, we actually have a special gift for you at the end of service. So stick around for that. But we want to continue in worship with our tithes and offerings today. And I was reminded this week uh, of some awesome things that we do here at the church. It's one of my favorite things that we do. Um, we call them RPM groups or FCS groups or uh, FCAs, and this is where we go to junior high schools and high schools all across the town, and we literally bring church to students that maybe would never in any other circumstance set foot inside of a church. So we have um, these teachers that team up with us, these students that team up with us, and we'll go out and we'll, we'll bring church to these people. So uh, I was thinking uh, just a few years ago, um, we, we were having this awesome group at Arkansas High. We were having like 150 kids come out every week. And uh, the way we get 150 kids to come out is we bring them pizza every week. So, yeah, it works uh, every week. So we, we were just known for every week we would, we would uh, provide a, a free meal for them during three lunches. We'd have a ton of students come out. And I remember this one specific uh, week there was a student that was there. And this was like one of the first lunches. And we were leaving. They were supposed to go back to class. And he said, uh, well, he actually walked over to the pizza and grabbed two or three more slices. And he started putting them in his backpack. And uh, I'm just thinking, like, I have to go get on to this kid. Like, I have to ration my pizza so it'll, like, last for the rest of the day. And I walked over to him, and I said, man, you know, you, you can't take any more pizza. I still have got two more lunches to do. And he said, well, yeah, you know, I understand. I I just uh, I know that if I don't grab pizza right now that I might not be able to get anything to eat tonight. And uh, I remember, you know, some people, they kind of just pull your leg and they'll just say that. But this kid really seemed sincere about it. I knew his background. I knew that he came from, a, a, you know, a really low-income home. And uh, I let him have the pizza. And uh, whenever they left, I kept thinking about it. And I was like, you know, am, am I okay with the fact that maybe some of these students only come for pizza? And I started thinking about it. And I was like, you know, honestly... I'm completely cool with that because some of these students that would never step foot inside of a church, we're bringing church to them, and one slice of pizza at a time, we're telling them about Jesus Christ. Man, and I, I can, yeah, it deserves a round of applause. And uh, over the past eight or nine years, we've had tons of groups, and we've seen hundreds and hundreds of students come to know Christ, one slice of pizza at a time. And I want to tell you that None of that is possible without a church that believes in this community, without a church that believes in, in missions and outreach. And so we want to thank you and we want to encourage you to continue to give because whenever you give, the kingdom gains. And whenever you give, we turn your giving into pizza, okay? So 
We, we turn your, your giving into ministry, and we want to encourage you to continue to give. We love you, and we appreciate everything that you do. So be blessed as you give. Amen. Amen. oxygen in the air that I cannot see. Come on, God is the one that provides that for me. God has set up this world to take care of me in ways I don't even know. So this is a song of praise to the goodness of our God. Can we just lift him up this morning with praise? Come on, reach out to heaven with me and let's sing it together. We bless you this morning, Lord. It's your a moment and just say, Lord, I want to thank you for being kind to me. Come on, just say it out loud. Say, thank you, Lord, for being kind to me. Thank you, Lord. I may not have everything I want, but yet there's so many people in the world that go to bed hungry, that don't even have a bed or a home, that are refugees running from terror. And Lord, somehow I have a warm bed, a cool room, food on my table, a refrigerator to keep my food, a lock to keep me safe, a car to move me around. God, you're good to me. Just thank him in your own way just a minute. Recognize him. The Bible says it's in him we live and move and have our being. So every good thing in life is from a kind and merciful Savior. We love you today. In Jesus' name. Anybody say it? Amen. Amen. Hey, tell your neighbor, you are looking good today, and you may be seated. save her family and prevent disaster. Mom, we're going to be late for school. I don't think so. Whoa. Experience the phenomenon that critics are calling inspiring. Mom, I can't find number 17. Come on, Billy. Dig deep. A lot of fun. 
genius. Mom, where's my phone? Table. Keys. Mudroom. Dragon Man. Under the couch between the monkey and the flip-flop. How does she do that? Created by God to demonstrate his love with grace, elegance, and poise. Torch. Well, this movie will be rated A for amazing and awesome. We want to just bless all the moms that are here today. I've been doing a series called Heroes, and I can't think of a greater hero to recognize today than our moms. Moms, uh, everybody's hero. And I want to do something special today. It's, uh, uh, it's a little bit of a, a stretch to expect a, a dad or a father or a man to talk about being a mom. So I'm going to let my wife do that. I'm going to let her talk, uh, talk to you about raising godly kids for just a moment from a mother's perspective. And then I'm going to share with you how kids should relate to their mom starting with little kids all the way up to big kids like me. So as Linnell shares, I, I, I want to honor Linnell. We've been married 33 years, raised three great kids, and she has been an exceptional mom. But not only has she been an exceptional mom to our three kids, but uh, uh, Linnell's heart, she's one of the biggest hearts of anybody I know. I mean, people call for her way more than they call for me. And uh, she showed our church how to go through a life-threatening disease when she battled cancer and overcame, I'll say. She didn't give up. She didn't quit. She didn't shirk back, but she just believed God and went forwards. She's an example to us all as far as the, reaching the world for Christ and world missions. And uh, I just want to say I'm very proud of you. Uh, she's been my wife 33 years. And I, I have not found a selfish bone in, in her body yet. So I just want to honor her today. God bless you, honey. Thank you. Well, don't believe half of what he said, but some of it may be true. Well, I want to talk to you about raising godly kids and how our lives can influence the next generation. And I also want to talk to you that, Mom, your job never quits. So I was reminded of this week of the movie Hook, and I don't know how, however many of you have seen that, but remember Peter Pan wanted to fly? And to fly, what did Peter Pan have to do? He had to think about his happy thoughts. Well, let me tell you, when I think about my happy thoughts, Peter Pan, he found out that his was about being a dad. But for me, it's being a mom. I absolutely love being a mom. I have three, we have three children. Our oldest is 28, so I have been a mom for almost 28 years. He'll be 28 next month. I remember that first day in the hospital when they handed him to me. And instead of, you know, in my mind, when I saw him that first time, instead of thinking, oh, he's so beautiful, you know, the first thought I had, he's so white. I had a blonde-haired baby, and that just kind of blew me away. I remember when our daughter was born, Bethany. She's 24. And I remember 
that when I brought her home and we had our son who was three and a half and our daughter, and I was looking at my son's hands who had been my baby up until that moment and, con- and then looked at my newborn little girl and thought, he's so big. I remember <coughs> when our youngest was born. She's 16. Pray for us. We're still going through the teen years. And she my son, our son was almost 11, it was 11 and a half, and, and um, little did I know that I would in one year celebrate one graduating from high school, one from junior high, and one from kindergarten. But the good news is that I will be a grandmother, bef- no, no, I'm not making an announcement, but before I become an empty nester, that's my plan. Now, you know, I don't know what my kids' plans are, but that's my plan. And I have heard that being a grandmother is even better than being a mama. So I don't know. I've not experienced that yet. But one day, one day, that's my plan. And I have even come up with what I want our grandchildren to call us. What do you all think about Lonnie and Papa John? I think it sounds pretty good. What do you all think? I think so. I want to tell you, you know, there's a lot of manuals out there, a lot of books. I even remember reading, watching a DVD series when uh, my youngest was born. And, you know, there's a lot of parenting tips and things out there. Of course, when they send your baby home with you, they don't send you home with a manual. They maybe showed you a video. Now, it may be different now. It's been 16 years for me, but maybe showed you a video on how to bathe your baby or how to change a diaper. They maybe even helped you with how to nurse your child. But, you know, in that hospital, you go home with this newborn, and you really are pretty much clueless. And I've decided that most of our parenting is learned through trial and error. And if you've been a mom or a dad for very long, you know parenting has a lot of trials, and you make a lot of errors. And, you know, that's how we learn most of what we do as a mom or as a dad. But what I want to talk to you today is about some basic principles on how to raise godly children, how to influence the next generation. And let me tell you something. You may not be a mom out there. You may not have children, but you can be influence an influence on that next generation. You can influence children. You can influence grown adults. You can influence people with your life. And you can be a mom even if you've never given birth to a child. So let's start, and we're going to turn in our Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I'm going to read from verse 6 and 7. This is the Message Bible, and it says, Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you, and then get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home, walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Let me tell you. In today's society, there are parents that say, well, I don't want to have undue influence on my children. I want them to make their own decisions about Christ. Can I tell you, that's hogwash. Our job as parents is to raise godly children, to influence them. And I want to tell you, you need to live your faith out loud. You don't need to be silent about it. You don't need to be quiet about it. You need to live your faith out loud. Let me tell you about my mom. I learned to pray from my mom. My mom didn't teach me 
a bunch of scriptures necessarily on prayer. She didn't go by and exegete how to pray. She didn't get a book and then go through this book with me. You know how she taught me how to pray? Because she prayed. She prayed every day. Robin, my sister, she'll remember. When she was washing dishes, what did she do, Robin? She sang in the spirit. She prayed. When she was doing laundry, she'd fill the laundry room with worshiping in the spirit and, and praying in the spirit. Whenever she would receive a phone call, and we were past, my dad, parents were pastors, and we got a lot of phone calls. She would be standing at that kitchen phone, and inevitably, she wouldn't end the conversation until she prayed for that person she was talking to on the phone. Every morning before we'd leave for school, she'd gather us together, and she'd pray with us before she'd send us off to school. How did I learn to pray? By my mama praying. She taught me how to pray through her life, living her faith out loud. So Pastor John and I were determined that raising our kids, we would live our faith out loud. We taught our kids how to read their Bible by reading a Read With Me Bible. It was a little tortuous at times. It was a little tedious at times, but we were trying to teach them how to, how to have a quiet time. And they would sound out word after word. They, and then eventually they would start to read a line, and then we'd read a line. Then eventually they just would read their Bible to us. And then... As I got a little older, we would send them to bed, and they would, re and we'd say, you go, read your Bible, and I'll be in in a minute to pray with you. We lived our faith out loud. I remember when um, Rebe Bethany was just a little toddler, and she could climb out of her bed, and, and um, I'm early riser. I like to get up early in the morning and have my quiet time. I'd go into the living room and go to have my quiet time, and in inevitably, my daughter would toddle her way into the living room, climb up on my lap, and want to be with me while I was having my quiet time. So I'd started trying to get up a little earlier, and I set my alarm a half hour earlier, and sure enough, she would somehow find her way out early in the morning to come be with me. So I decided, if you can't beat them, you join them. And I'd let her just climb up on my lap, and I'd read the Bible out loud to her, and we'd pray together. And how did I teach her how to have a quiet time? By modeling it to her, by being there with her. You know, when our children face crises in their life, when we face crises in our life, what do we do? Do we hide it? Do we try to pretend like everything is good and fine? I remember walking through cancer and being diagnosed and the pain and the fear, and, and I would be up in the middle of the night. But I would find comfort, and I would find solace through the Scriptures, through time and worship, and I would try to live that in front of my children. I would try to show them that the Bible can give you the strength you need to get through difficult times. I remember... Uh, no, I don't remember. My mind just went blank. That's thanks to chemo. Our children need to watch us face crisis. They need to watch us when we make a mistake. Hey, listen, you may not want to ever make a mistake. You may never want to blow it. You may never, but you do, and your children see it, even if you don't think they do. What do you do? Do you repent? You need to let your kids see what you do when you make a mistake how you repent to God, how you reconcile with a brother or sister, or how you turn to your kids and say, Mom just blew it. I just lost my temper, and I was wrong. I want to ask you to forgive me. You have to live your faith out loud. The second thing I want to say to you is point your kids to Christ. Isaiah 54, 13 says, All your children shall be taught by the Lord, 
and great shall be the peace of your children. You know, when our children are really small, we play the Holy Spirit in their life. Now, stay with me. This is not blasphemous. But who comforts them? Who counsels them? Who provides for them and takes care of them? Who, who uh, uh, convicts them? It's, it's us as a mom, as a dad. We're the one in their life doing that. But what we have to learn to do is to point our kids to Christ. So when they're very, very little, we do these things, but slowly we are taking a back step in their life, and we're pointing them to Christ and getting them to depend on him. Let me tell you a story about our youngest, Rebecca. When she was in first grade, she was six years old, and she wanted a bike. It was in the springtime, and we, um, it wasn't her birthday. It wasn't Christmas. There was nothing, no reason for us to buy her a big gift, but she was wanting a bike, and she came to John and I and said, I want a bike. And we said, honey, you need to ask God for a bike. So she closed her eyes, and she prayed and said, God, I want a bike. Now, she had a little bike with training wheels, but she wanted a big girl bike. So every day she would pray, God, I want a bike. I really, really want a bike. And you know what? In about two weeks, she won an award at school, and she won a bike. And God provided a bike for her, and we didn't have to. What we were doing was pointing her to God as God is her source. Now, God very often uses us as parents to provide for our children things like that. But she learned a lesson at a young age. Mom and dad's not her source. When she gets married, it's not going to be her husband that's her source, but it's God is her source. When our kids had problems at night sleeping, they were afraid. When they would wake up in the middle of the night, our son had what was called night terrors, and he'd wake up afraid in the middle of the night. We'd go in, and we'd go pray with him, and then we taught him how to pray scripture, and that scripture was, when I lie down, I will not be afraid. When I lie down, I will have sweet sleep. He would pray it over himself. And if he'd wake up in the middle of the night, then Bethany and then Rebecca prayed it. They learned how to find comfort and solace in Christ because mom and dad aren't always going to be there. We can't fix every hour that our children get. They're going to grow up. And if we've not pointed them to Christ, then they're not going to know how to find that comfort from God. They're not going to know that God is always watching and that God is always hearing. So our job as a parent is to point them to Christ. Third thing I wanted to tell you is we need to be spirit-led parents. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says, For he will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. Now let me tell you something. My kids aren't perfect. I think they're pretty perfect, but they're not perfect. They haven't always done everything right, and I could probably get an amen from a lot of you because you've watched them grow up. But something that I told them their whole life, I have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit reveals all things to us. I pray every day. I tell them, I pray every day, Lord, reveal anything that's hidden. Uncover any secrets. And can I tell you, inevitably, in their lives, when they were getting off track, making some big, dumb mistakes, somebody, either in church, in our neighborhood, a teacher, one time a fireman, would tell us something. 
and would reveal what was going on to us. And then we would confront it. We would talk to them. We would get repentance over time. It sometimes took a little while. And then we were able to bring healing to that situation. You have got to be a spirit-led Christian. And the last thing, a parent, the last thing I want to say to you is you need to pray. Here's a great scripture for every parent, no matter how old your children are. Lamentations 2, 18 and 19. It says, cry aloud before the Lord. Let your tears flow like a river day and night. Give yourselves no rest. Give your eyes no relief. Rise during the night and cry out. Pour out your hearts like water to the Lord. Lift up your hands to him in prayer, pleading for your children. Listen, mom, dad, grandma, your job is never done. You need to pray and cry out to God for your children. It doesn't matter if they're 50, 60 years old. It doesn't matter if they're just newborns. You need to stand in the gap for your children and pray for them. I want to tell you one last story, my grandmother. My grandmother had five children, my mom, who was a pastor's wife, and four boys. Three of those four boys did not serve God. My grandfather was an alcoholic. He did not serve God. But my grandmother, she prayed. Every day she prayed for them. And before my grandmother went to her grave, my grandfather got baptized with my younger sister Robin in the tank, not here, but in California, in the baptismal tank. He gave his life to Christ. Every one of my uncles turned their life over to God because why? because they had a praying mama that didn't give up. So I wanted to encourage you all with that. And let me just say, as my husband comes up, I have the greatest partner, that parent, he's a great dad, and that helped, helped parent our children. And I want to say thank you for being a great dad. You're getting, you're getting the Mother's Day present, honey. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Hey, turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1. She did a great job, didn't she? Give her a big hand. Hope they don't dock my pay then half this week because you're only getting half a sermon from me. But before I open the Bible, I want to give a personal tribute to my mother. Uh, the things I remember most about my mom, my mom is alive today. I'm bumping 60 and she's bumping 80, but uh, I, she's spry. She loves me. I talked to her yesterday. But I remember about my mom that she was always there for me. She was always at my events, all my ball games, all my activities, all my things in school. I remember when I was 12, uh, Ford Motor Company had something they called punt, pass, and kick, and it was for little boys, and I had made it to the area competition in Memphis, and I remember sitting in the stands with my mom. My dad was working on the farm. He was picking cotton, but mom was up there with me. I remember one of the things that I'm ashamed of in my life was the way that I, I left uh, home to join the Navy. I was running from my problems, didn't know it as a 19-year-old, just showed up one night, knocked on the door and said, hey, I'm leaving in two weeks. And never talked about it, never thought about it. I know that brought tears to her mind, but guess who was at my graduation? My mom was. Her love was an unconditional love. I was in the hospital a few years ago, and guess who came out to see me, come on and take care of her little boy? A mom's love is always there. And mom loved me when I did stupid things. That's the second thing I remember. And I'm not going to tell you what they are because I'm afraid she's listening today. I encourage her to listen, and I don't want her to find out some things she doesn't know. But <laughs> the last thing I'll say about her is mom shaped my spiritual life. When I was a little boy, mom gave me a little Bible. It, uh, it was a black Bible. It had, it had a, a zipper on it with a cross on the end. Mom made me go to Sunday school. 
and guess what? She was just like a mother in the Bible. 2 Timothy 1, her name was Eunice. Paul said, I remember your genuine faith, writing to Timothy. He said, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues in you. So what's the point? Eunice and Lois had no idea that they were raising a man that would become Paul's successor, his apostolic successor in the, in the Gentile church, and they were shaping his spiritual life, and they passed it on. And that's what my mom did to me, and I just want to say thanks, Mom, for that. I want to give you some biblical advice from the Bible to kids about their moms. And first, I want to talk to younger kids. If you're here, most are upstairs. But if you're here, if you're elementary age, if you're a teenager, if you're in that transition age of late teens that you're still at home, there's a way we relate to our parents, and the Bible calls it obedience. And obedience turns into honor. That's the second thing I'll tell you what the Bible tells all of us as we grow older. And the third thing, it's about taking care of mom. Let me begin. Colossians 3, verse 20. It's mentioned twice in the, uh, twice in the New Testament, once in Ephesians and here in Colossians 3. But it says, children, obey your parents in, in everything. That was our favorite scripture when Linnell and I were raising our kids. We had to memorize the Bible, and that was one of them. It says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Now, why in the world would that be in the Bible? You would think the Bible would be a giant self-help book for parents, but it's not. There is very little in the Bible, particularly the New Testament, about raising your children. Now, principles that apply to everyday life, but there's not much that's said to kids about how they relate to parents. A little bit in Proverbs. So why in the world would the Bible uh, 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 focus on this idea of obedience of a child as a proper response? I'll tell you, friends, uh, Jesus gave us the example. At 12 years of age, he obeyed his parents. In Luke 2, 51, Jesus went down with his parents, uh, and he came to Nazareth, and he was submissive to them. So even God the Son, the Son of God, a child of Mary, was obedient to his parents. So why is obedience such a big deal? I'll tell you why. It's because parents are God-ordained authority. Do you realize Judgment Day, one day, will be all about authority? Do you remember, realize that you and I are being prepared today and hopefully from childhood to relate properly to authority? And authority starts in the home with our parents. When we learn to be submissive, we deal with rebellion in our hearts. How many know it's the same rebellion that Adam and Eve had that said, when they said, we don't care what you say, we're going to take a bite? It is the greatest issue that school administrators and teachers deal with. It is rebellion in the hearts of the kids. I'm convinced the problem in modern education is not that we don't have enough money. It's we have character problems. Come on, because we're not properly parenting kids and raising them. We're telling them just be whatever you want to be, do whatever you want to do, have no responsibility. Come on. And when someone says get out of bed, they say no. And we say, well, I don't want to damage self-esteem. That may be another message, but obedience, listen, from coming from a godly parent has power in it. Listen, it helps. Because if you don't deal with rebellion in the home, it will define their life. Rebellion, listen, uh, respect for authority is missing in our culture. Uh, you ask teachers, you look at police, but the solution starts in the home, the building block of society. And how many know the Bible tells kids you need to obey your parents? It's a spiritual thing. 
that deals with the rebellion in our hearts. Now, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2, let's move from obedience. As we grow older, obedience turns into honor. Ephesians 6, 1 also mentions obedience, but then it goes on in verse 2. It says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so it may go well with you, and you may live long in the land. Now, what does it mean? It's the first commandment with a promise. This is one of the Ten Commandments. If you look at what God gave Moses on Mount Sinai when he came down to the people, arguably the foundation of Western civilization, the Ten Commandments, one of which is to honor your parents. And this word honor we'll talk about, but there's a blessing attached to it because it said it will go well with you and you'll live long if you honor mom and dad. So in our culture, it's the old lady, it's the old man. Not in God's economy. Now, this word honor, it means to show admiration. It means to show recognition, to show respect by words and our actions for people that we value. How many know we should value? How many know the Bible teaches us to honor age? The Bible teaches us to honor our family, to honor spiritual authority, to honor civil authority. Uh, at the National Day of Prayer the other day, there was uh, one of the ministers, Dr. Lacey, when it came his time to pray, he, inv- he, he, he paused to recognize the firemen that were there. And there were some men that their fire truck was parked there. They came, and we honored them because of their role in our culture and our civil society. Honor is a proper biblical response to, uh, t- towards those that are worthy or deserving of honor Again, it is admiration, it is recognition, it is respect by our words and actions. It's why I had the tribute to my mom because she lives in North Mississippi. I wanted her to see that. I wanted her to hear those words from her son. It's the same reason that I honored my wife when she was here on the stage. It wasn't just to be nice to her, you know, and you've seen movies where, you know, like an old president, uh, some of, some, I can't think of the movie, but but they were president, Mr. and Mrs., you know, president, and in front of the people, they held hands and everything was great, but apart from the people, they broke their hands and they said, the heck with you. How many know that's not the way that we're living our lives and that's not what we do things, but we give honor to whom honor is due. And that's kind of the heart of what we're doing on Mother's Day, honoring mom. But I want you to see that this honor evolves into something that I think is the most significant part of my message. It's John chapter 19. And honor implies taking care of mom. Again, as a child, I I please God by obeying my parents. As they age and as I age, I give them honor, the honor that they're due. But this idea of taking care of them. When I was a child, uh, now look, when I was a little baby, they, we didn't have pampers. And we didn't have nice little smelly wipes. We had those old, 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 old uh, uh, cloth diapers. I mean, that's a little extra love there. Don't let your mind go too far with that thought. But, but that's a little extra love that mom showed. Well, isn't it interesting how often a life that's fully lived out, we leave this world the way we came. We start out helpless and we end up helpless. And God's design is that we as children would care for our parents as they age. It is so complicated in modern America today. I live 300 miles from my mom. I can't just go over and get her some milk. You know what I'm talking about? It's complicated. We feel guilt over that. We don't quite know what to do. But yet the principle of honor remains. And I want to read it uh, uh, from the perspective of Jesus. 
It's John chapter 19, verse 25. Jesus is on the cross. This, the cross is not a part of our culture. The cross in our church, it's a, it's a, it's a large cross. It's rough. It's hewn wood. Uh, but it has a nice coat of polyurethane on it. The cross that Jesus was crucified on had blood that had stained it. When Christ was placed on the cross, they drove nails in his hands. Likely they drove them here through his wrist because the bone structure is such that it would more likely hold a human being. They, they, they drove nails in your feet, holding both your feet together. And sometimes there was a piece of wood that your heels could push off of. Because the problem on the cross is you weren't just like this. You would begin to do this, but you couldn't breathe. So to pull yourself up, you would have to do that, and the pain would be excruciating. Not only was he in excruciating personal pain, but he was being separated from his... Jesus, the man, was being separated from his heavenly Father, and he was bearing the sins of the world. But notice on the cross... John 19, verse 25, standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and three other women. We don't know where Joseph was. We don't know where his brothers were. But when he saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, that's John the Beloved. He wrote this gospel. He said, dear woman, here is your son. And then he said to John the disciple, here is your mother. And from that then on, this disciple took her into his home. So... At his most agonizing hour, look, when I'm hurting, I, I, listen, or when I'm in a little bit of pain, I want somebody to rub my shoulder and to bring me a cool rag and say something nice to me and pat me and all that. Jesus is in his darkest hour. I just reminded you of your husband, didn't I? <laughs> Jesus in his darkest hour thought about his mother. And I suggest to you that is a profound idea and example for the care that a child should have for mom. It was the custom in, in, in the Jewish family, if the husband or father was not able to provide for mom, uh, then the oldest son would do that. Uh, Jesus, well, it was a custom of their day. Peter did this same thing, likely. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus goes in Peter's house, and he sees Peter's mother-in-law lying sick with a fever, Though we're not 100% sure, it's likely that she was living with Peter. She was being cared for by his daughter. There was a, a care that transcended. In America today, we no longer look to the family as we used to. We look to our government. And thank God for government. Thank God for nursing homes. Thank God for, for care and social services. Uh, our, our nation would fall apart because we don't have the family and community structures to hold it together. But can I tell you, we as Christians need to be a little more concerned. Come on about mom and dad. I see Pastor Nick's mom here. She keeps bumping him. I don't know quite why, but, but she keeps bumping him. Uh, you know, it's a big thing, and I've seen a lot of people do it, to have mom move in the house when she's no longer able to take care of themselves. It's a sacrifice, particularly if it's an in-law. I've watched I've, some of our church members, some of my friends have been absent for a while, and I said, well, I've been missing you. Where have you been? been going to see my mom. Mom's about 90. She wanted me to go to church with her. That's an honorable thing. You know, uh, it may not be profound. It could be cutting her grass or paying for her meal, helping her. But it's a part of caring, and it's biblical. Here's a, is some, when those ignore this advice, they fall under Proverbs 19. It says, he who does violence to his father and chases away his mother. And I'm going to come back to that. Chases away his mother is a son who is an embarrassment and a public disgrace. 
To chase away your mother means to show contempt, to despise, to, to treat her as worthless, to not respect her. And biblically, it is a public disgrace. I mean, no, no matter what mom has done or failed to do, she still gave birth to us. Come on. And she deserves honor because of what she gave us as a child. Proverbs 23, 22, listen to your father who gave you life. And say this part with me. Do not despise your mother or forget her when she is old. Don't forget her when she's old. Now, I'd like to close with this, and then we're going to have a prayer. And we've got a little gift we'd like to give the moms that are here today and have a prayer. But there's a little phrase here on the back of our, uh, of our screen. I, I call it every week. It's there. It's a spiritual truth. If there's one thing I want you to walk away with in every message, that tends to be it. And this little phrase may seem odd to you, but everybody needs a mom. Let me tell you where I'm going with this. Every mom needs a mom, and every mom can be a, every woman can be a mom to someone. Let me tell you something I know. Even as a Christian, bad things happen sometimes to us. I remember my daughter's response when she was 13 when Linnell was diagnosed with cancer and said, God, why is this happening? My mom's a good person. She helps people all over the world. Why did you do this to her? How many know God gets a bad rap sometimes? tend to blame him. But I know there are a lot of you women that are here today that are struggling about motherhood. Last night a mom came to us and said, I never go to church on Mother's Day weekend. It makes me feel sad. Another one said, I have had seven miscarriages, so by the time I was 37, I just quit. And you could just hear the pain in her words. Some of us here are not able to have a child yet. We'd be delighted to pray for you and believe God with you. Some of our kids won't even call today. Some of us gave birth to knuckleheads. So how many know Mother's Day is not this perfect Mayberry or leave it to beaver of my generation day? I want to read a scripture to you, though. There's some hope in this because the desires that a mother has can still be fulfilled. Paul now in Romans 16 is closing the book of Romans, and he's basically saying hello to a lot of people. He says, greet Rufus, tell him hello, chosen in the Lord, and also tell his mother hello and say this with me who has been a mother to me as well. Tell my buddy Rufus, I said, hey, he's a good man. Tell his mom hello. She's been a mother to me. Now, what you think about this? Being a mom is more than biology. It is caring for and nurturing people. Paul was a grown man, and he needed a mom. My mom has made the trek across from, from uh, Mississippi to here numerous times. Sometimes when Linnell would go to, go to a missions trip on a long time and Rebecca was here and moms make a trip. Paul groaned but needed a mom and not every time your biological mom can be there. This should be an inspiration to every person in this room, to every woman who has more love to give than she has kids in her home. This should be an inspiration to us to realize that my need to love, my need to nurture, my need to care can in the economy of God be given to people, come on, that are in needing of that love. And in so doing, my healing will come. I look at our church. I, I look at a Karen Rayfield. She, her kids are grown, but she has so much love to give, and she felt drawn to homeless people. 
And now she helps not only homeless folks, but particularly homeless moms and those with kids and has somehow helped us get a fourplex and, and we're going to help them get off the street and be able to put their lives back together. But, but, but she's mothering grown adults and she's mothering kids. I, I look at a Karen Moat who, who goes to the powerhouse to this day and she goes down there. How many know those teenagers need some extra mothers around there? Uh, I, I, I look at a, a friend. Her name is Ruthie. Uh, Ruthie's not been able to have children. But she comes to church on Saturday night and Sunday morning. She's up there with preschoolers and loving on them and being to some of those preschoolers what they don't get at home. Sometimes we look at... Our church deliberately tries to be very open-armed and try to welcome people. Well, how many know when you welcome people that come from broken lives, you know, they... It's a little interesting around the church house sometimes. Well, you know what's needed? What's needed is not often not another threat but a mother's love, come on, somebody to show they care and to give what they desperately need in their, from their own hearts. I see it in ladies like Jean Lacey. Anytime there's a need for hospitality in our church, anytime there's a meal, anytime there's a donut, she's there because part of being a mom, come on, is caring for people. It's feeding them. It's putting food on the table. I see it in a lady called Anissa. Is Anissa here today? I hadn't seen her today. Anyway, she's a single mom. She uh, is a converted Muslim, and she always has about five, you said six kids with her, and they're about, you know, they're this tall, they're from a baby, this, this call, and she works, she lives about 45 minutes away, and they all come to church walking a little line behind each other like this, and then she comes to church, and they all scatter, and, and, and people tend to pick them up because she needs some help. But what in the world is going on there? Here's a gal that's a foster mom to kids who desperately need love to crack babies, come on, to people, kids who come out of abusive situations, who were sexually abused, who were physically abused. And here's a lady doing what I could not do. And how in the world is she able to do that? There's the love of a mother, come on, that gets inside the heart of a person. And if you will open yourself to the needs of broken humanity around you, the very thing that's missing in your life can be poured back to you. It's Romans 8, 28 in action. Come on, somebody give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Hey, I want you to stand to your feet. And uh, we're go- I, uh, I'm sorry, ladies, why don't you come forwards? Guys, you can remain seated, but let the ladies come forwards. Uh, we're going to do our best to get you around the altar. But we've got a gift we'd like to give you. We'd like to pray for you. But to all the moms that are here, grandmas, aunts, if you're raising kids, if you're pregnant, come on up. We want to be a blessing to you. And we want to close with a little video of some moms in our church that I think will put a smile on your face. A mother's love is something that no one can explain. It's made of deep devotion, of sacrifice and pain. It's endless and unselfish, enduring come what may, for nothing can destroy it or take that love away. It's patient and forgiving when all others are forsaken, and it never falters even when her heart is breaking. It believes beyond believing when the world around condemns, and it glows with all its beauty of the rarest, brightest gems. It's far beyond defining, it defies all explanation, and still remains a secret like the mysteries of creation. 
a many splendid miracle man cannot understand, and another wondrous evidence of God's loving tender hand. have me crying with these videos. I, I, I don't know what you might experience today or what you've already experienced. I don't know if you'll get a card or breakfast or whatever the case is, but I would just simply like to say thank you for all that you've done for your children, for your grandchildren, for the kids on the ball team, for the kids at school, but wherever you have showed the love of a mother, I just want to say thank you. I don't know if you, I hope you'll hear it from their lips, but if you don't, could you hear it from the lips of your heavenly father, not me, but, but if I could just be him just a minute and just say thank you for the love and care that you've shown to your children. Because how many know, we use the phrase, my kids, but how many know they're not really our kids? How many know they're on loan from us to God and we're trying to raise them to be young men and women that'll honor God on the days of their life? And, I, and listen, none of us are perfect. But in God, there's forgiveness. And I bet you there's a whole lot of affirmation from your Heavenly Father smiling right now at you. Linnell is going to pray for you, and then I'm going to bless you, and then we have a little gift before we go. But I wonder if we might just pray for any of you that maybe have, there's just a sad spot inside that just won't go away for whatever reason. It could be a sadness that came along in your childhood. It could be a sadness from having your kids or whatever the case may be. But sometimes it just gets something kind of in there. It's like a splinter. How many know a splinter, if you don't get it out, a Band-Aid's not going to help? But how many know God has the ability to get splinters out? God, and I've watched people over time. God has the ability to heal what's broken inside. My grandmother immigrated from the Baltic state of Latvia in World War II. And she left two of her children that were taken by the Russians and abducted in the Russian army. She never saw them again. And if there would ever be a need to be a bitter person, it would be her. But yet she was the sweetest person I've ever met in my whole life. Because somehow, God, her father, had touched her at her most broken place. And if you're here today, you don't have to say a word to anybody. But if you're here and you want God to touch you and heal something broken in your life, would you just slip your hand up just a moment? And I'm going to ask the ladies around you to put your, their hand on your shoulder. Yeah, just keep your hand up. And I want a lady to just put their hand on your shoulder. Yeah, just come on. Listen, we want to pray for you right now. This is your act of faith saying, God, I want you to help me because, Lord, I need your touch in my life. Honey, why don't you pray for the, for the ladies today? Lord, I just want to pray for each and every mother that's here, each and every woman, Lord, that is hurting, either because of a child that's gone astray or because of the brokenness of our world, because, Lord, maybe they wanted a baby and never have been able to have one. For those who are hurting, I pray, God, that you would pour in your oil and your wine, that you would bring peace, you bring comfort, you would bring joy, that you would help them to turn what the enemy meant for evil into something good. That, Lord, these moms would not give up on their kids that are being knuckleheads, that they would not give up, but they'd keep praying. That these moms, Lord, who feel abandoned on Mother's Day, that, Lord, you would be that husband to them. That you would be that one that would pour out your love upon them. 
I pray, God, heal their heart and then let them become proactive and reach out to others and be able to bring help and comfort to those, Lord, that are broken and that are hurting. Help these moms today. Help these women today. Help us, Lord, to find that you're a good father and that you love us. Lord, I want to pray a blessing over these gals today. I want to pray that their cup would overflow. I want to pray, Lord, in spite of what the past might have looked like, I want to pray that the future is going to be bright. I just want to pray that the goodness of God would overtake them. I want to pray for provision on their table. I want to pray for joy in their heart. I want to pray for peace in their sleep. I want to pray, Lord, that you would help them, Lord, with this desire and need to mother, to nurture, to care, that they would give it first to their kids and then to the circles of kids that are around them. But I just bless each and every one of them today, and I ask you to smile on them in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Listen, God bless you, girls. We've got some gifts here. I think they want to give you. Just hang on, and they'll figure it out. Yeah.